0: Hello, welcome to Truth Revival, where we speak truth, set free, and ignite revival. This is Faith Has a Voice with Rob Malone. That's me. Today on Faith Has a Voice, we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 3, but I want to open up with a, a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. I thank you that it is The instruction manual for our lives. Thank you that reading it will encourage us to speak truth and speak faith. Thank you for our time together now. Bless it as we share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, many times when we have faith as a voice, I do deal with faith. And actually speaking faith if you go back on uh, YouTube or Facebook and take a look at the broadcasts you'll see that's the topic of this and it's because too often people speak death constantly they don't watch what comes out of their mouth and everything is seed the Bible tells us that we will eat the fruit of our words. So if you don't like what you're eating fruit-wise, then maybe you need to change the words that are seeds that are producing things in your life. When you're speaking death over a situation, then death is what you'll see. Even heathens, the secular world, that don't believe anything the Bible says will tell you the power of positive thinking and the power of positive reinforcement. When there's tons of books that are written about raising your children. And one of the biggest things is never calling them stupid, never saying that they aren't intelligent or they can't do something. You know, there, (laughs) when, when, When little Johnny says he's going to be an astronaut, then that's great when he's five. When he's 18 and can't spell astronaut, maybe there's a little reality that has to set in with what you're speaking. But (laughs) you can use wisdom. But you never tell him that he's not intelligent or can't do something. With God's grace, you can do anything. With God's strength, you can do anything. You know, you keep speaking that over your children. I don't speak what I see in my children. I speak what I know God's placed in them. I speak faith about their lives. Joshua is 11 months old. He's approaching that one year mark constantly. Thank you, Lord. But Joshua is intelligent. You're such a handsome young man. You excel. You're beyond anyone that's in your age range. I speak things over him because I know what God has for him. God has for him to thrive in every area of life. Intellect is an area of life. Finances is an area of life. 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Going to read all of it. Read verse nine, and then I'm going to jump down to verse fifteen. Daniel Dutrois, South African friend that's in Zambia. He's on the way to South Africa now. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Evangelist Daniel Dutrois is doing wonderful things. Their ministry is. Take the nations they just got done with a huge crusade uh, in Zambia, where there's just healings and miracles and just wonderful things that God's doing in them, through them, for the people of Africa. They are true end time harvesters. This last crusade was was not even uh, scheduled two months ago and they stepped out in faith and said, not only are we going to do another crusade, but we're going to do one on a much larger scale than what we did before. They just put their faith behind it. They spoke into it. They spoke it out when they were here with us a month and a half goes by and they're back with us uh, visiting. The crusade was set in place and their budget fully came in while they were here visiting So it was great to see them speak faith and then it manifest. They did the things in the natural that needed done while they were in Africa. They got all their teams in place. They started moving forward, believing God for the finances and the finances came in and then some. So if you go back uh, two weeks ago, evangelist Daniel was on this program. Faith has a voice. We were, we were doing a little back and forth and he tells about, his ministry, you can go back and watch that. There are people that are winning souls. The power of God is manifest in them in their services. Those are the people that we encourage everyone who watches us to sow into. Take the nations is good ground. Partnering with their ministry will produce a harvest. Second Kings chapter 3, verse 9 says the king of Edom and his troops joined around them and all three armies traveled along around about route through the wilderness for seven days. But there was no water for the men or their animals. So no water. They traveled for seven days and there was no water in the land that they're traveling through. Now, I'm sure they had reserves of water with them. But after seven days, water is a pretty heavy thing. Traveling with an abundance of water is very difficult. I used to work for a water service, and I really got a kick out of hearing people talk about, oh, let's just, let's just lift that up. Well, they see a container that's a 2,500-gallon tank, and it only has three inches of standing water in it. But it's three inches deep. And it's an eight foot diameter tank. The guy says, well, why don't we just lift it up and and slide it over? And I said, me, you, and 10 guys, maybe. The amount of weight that's there is incredible. People don't realize it. But you can't just travel with tons of water. I don't think they had plastic products back then to carry their water buffaloes on on the wagons pulled by the oxen. But for seven days, they traveled. And there was no additional water other than what they took with them. He jumped down to verse 15. It's Elisha talking. He says, Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. Now, this is the New Living Translation. In the King James, it actually says, Fill this valley with ditches. So the word of the Lord was for them to dig ditches it says you will see neither rain nor wind says the lord but this valley will be filled with water you will have plenty for yourselves your cattle and other animals but this is only a simple thing for the lord for he will make you victorious over the army of moab and it goes on to talk about not only will they be victorious but they'll ruin moab's land reading chapter four earlier whenever i I started reading chapter three as well one of the things that that jumped out at me was i hear the bible the way i would hear individuals around us i don't care what version of the bible that you're reading it doesn't matter which version it looks flowery and sounds flowery to to say different things the reality Of the world around us. You know how people talk. You know what people do. You have an entire army. It's actually three kings and their armies. Traveling. With animals. Animals lack the ability to reason. When animals don't have water. And humans don't have water. Sometimes humans. (laughs) Don't have much reasoning left either. But animals. Their bodies just can't do. What they normally do if they don't have water. Humans, their bodies just can't do what they normally do if they don't have water. They're looking at fighting an enemy. So everybody has to have it on their mind that there's no water. How are they going to perform? And then the prophet says, This is what the Lord says. Now, when he says, Fill this valley with ditches, to me, what I hear is everyone in the room that could hear Elisha. And I hear guys. They're disgruntled from having no additional water for the last seven days of travel. They're saying, hey, guys, I know you don't have any water. I know that we haven't had water for several days, but we need you to dig ditches all over the valley. It says, while the harp played, the spirit of the Lord came upon Elisha and he spoke. Even though they know it was the spirit of God that came upon the prophet and gave them a word. I'm sure there was a lot of resistance to wanting to dig ditches. Well, we don't have water. There is no water. It's not the time of rain. God says there's not even going to be rain. But we're going to dig these ditches in the heat and sweat. Sweat all of our water out so that tomorrow we have the promise of water. There's a lot of people in this army. I guarantee you that we're complaining while they're digging ditches. But... That's faith. That's faith in action. The fact that they actually dug the ditches was their faith in action. Their faith that the prophet's words would come to pass because he was the mouthpiece of God. They can say what they want, but their actions say they had faith, at least a little bit. When you go down, it says, next day, verse 20, next day about at the time When the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Edom was the direction that they had come from. They traveled through a land where there was no water, and God had the water flow from the place that they had already seen had no water. I don't know about you but I would be highly encouraged by a miracle where I had already walked through a land that was dry and my source of water comes from that dry land because God said it would be so. And then it was after digging the ditch, I had to happily drink the water. But when I was reading this, I was reminded of a testimony of my own life. In 2015, I encountered evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth for the first time. I had never heard of him before. Uh, We were going to an Assemblies of God church in Houston, Pennsylvania. He was set to do three weeks of revival in the first, I believe, eight weeks of the year at our church. And he had several revival weeks in other churches that were close enough for us to travel within 25 minutes. Upon the first time I encountered him, I think I got to hear him preach for five out of eight or nine weeks. But that very first week is what really changed me. I was raised in a Christian home, raised in Baptist church and Grace Brethren churches, not flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We'll say that. Uh, Definitely not Pentecostal. I had a lot of word in me. One thing I will say about the upbringing that I had in church, we were not lacking in the word department. We knew the word of God. You know, it wasn't just church. The Baptist church, they have revival meetings too. And uh, we went to the Christian school. And uh, so we had Bible class every day. My family had devotions every day. We were taught in our home in addition to being taught at school and church. We definitely had not just the word in us, but an understanding of the word. I don't think I had full revelation like I do now. I remember sitting in a service with evangelist and pastor, Jonathan Shuttlesworth. But I remember listening to him. I kind of gathered that right at the beginning that he was someone who lays hands on people. And the only exposure that I had had was televangelists who laid hands on people. And it looked like they were quite literally knocking people out the way they would lay hands on their forehead. I had this uh, resistance to believe that that was possible, mainly because of uh, lack of revelation in the pastors that I sat under most of my life. Either there was no teaching, poor teaching or teaching against speaking in tongues and laying on of hands I will say, you know, I remember youth youth camp, summer camp for the Grace Brother Churches. I do remember one where they called the elders of the church together, just like a scriptural. There was a woman that they had to carry in to the chapel at our camp. And there were seven ministers that were in there. And about an hour later, the woman was walking when she came out. And so they at least believe in the laying on of hands and Healing can come. So bring you know, bring the elders of the church. And that part they got. But immediate instant healing, being set free, casting demons out. Either they didn't believe or spoke against it. That's where I was coming from. So the first time I encountered him, I sat in the service, listening, waiting, For that gotcha moment, like this, what you're teaching isn't right. But I listen, he brought scripture after scripture after scripture. Then he brought revelation, what God had revealed to him, how things tied together. Scriptures that I knew, I knew the word of God, he's just stating it and tying them together. And it was revelation that I had never heard. Things concerning prosperity and seed time and harvest. Well, when you've got poor preachers who don't grab a hold of seed time and harvest, they think that seed time, as far as offerings go, don't produce harvest. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't give to get. But the church has needs. We got the bus ministry that costs this much money. We need to bring that money in. But I, I, as a child, I remember thinking, man, they need a lot of money. But I hear teaching, and so I was resistant on that too, just so you know. I was a tither because I was taught tithing growing up. But I wasn't much of a giver ever up to that point. Now I've got this man of God standing in front of me. For 35 years, I had been taught the opposite of half the things that he was preaching. In three and a half hours, I couldn't find any fault in what he said. And the way it hit my spirit when he spoke, there wasn't anything that I didn't have peace about that he had spoken. So I know he's speaking truth. Oh, well, at the end of the service, he called me up on the platform. It wasn't You know, I'm watching people get hands laid on them and they're falling out under the power. Up until the moment that he asked me to come onto the platform, I didn't really believe they were falling out under the power. I just thought they were falling down to make him feel good, you know, as a courtesy. There were many people that I knew personally, businessmen, elders in the church, deacons, friends of mine. They're going down on the floor. I'm thinking, I don't know why they're doing that because I know them. And then it started occurring to me that, okay, why would this guy fake anything? I know he wouldn't fake anything. So it started to plant a seed in my mind of maybe this is real. But I can tell you, I was full of disbelief when I walked up onto the platform because he didn't just call me out into the aisle. He said, you in the blue shirt, come stand right here. And he pointed to the middle of the platform. He said, turn around and face the audience. Then he went back to preaching and he didn't lay hands on me, but I'll tell you what. But he focused on me and told me to raise my hands and close my eyes. I was fully obedient to every instruction that he gave me. I sat and listened. I received, it, <laughs> it was interesting. I think I received more because I was so focused on proving something wrong about what he was teaching that I took everything in. And I'm glad I did because when he turned around and focused on me, he said, raise your hands and close your eyes. The whole time I am I was thinking, man, this this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. I even remember looking at the pastor who came to stand behind me to, to catch. In my mind, I thought, there's no reason for you to be back there. And I was right because I ended up falling on my face, not falling backwards. It was because I was fighting it. Literally, I felt like I got punched in the gut by an angel, doubled over, then had to take a second touch from God to to put me on my face. I tell that part of it to tell you that in the days that followed, listening to to Brother Jonathan preach and teach for the next three nights in a row, the fourth night we were there, my daughter responded to the altar call. She was four years old. She went up. I I went up with her, and I let her sit on my lap. And after Brother Jonathan was done with the, the altar call, the prayer of salvation, he said, now, I'm not going to lay hands on everybody. There is an anointing for healing. So if you need healing in your body, raise one hand to God and put one hand wherever you need the healing. When the Bible talks about a mustard seed of faith, I don't know if I had a mustard seed. <laughs> i had mustard dust, mustard seed dust. I remember literally thinking in my head, well, it can't hurt. Follow instructions. The other night, I didn't believe I could get slain in the Spirit. I followed instructions, and I got slain in the Spirit. The power of God touched me. There was no denying it. If I was wrong about falling out under the power, then maybe I'm wrong about instant healing. It can't hurt to just be obedient and agree with Him in prayer. Because I can tell you, it wasn't my faith the day that I got up on the platform whenever he knew that I needed to touch God. And it was that breakthrough that four days later allowed me to say, well, it can't hurt. And I laid one hand on my back, raised the other hand to God. My daughter's still sitting on my lap. And I had a, a spinal injury. I had three wedge vertebrae. T12 to L2. I had a central protrusion choking my spinal cord off between L4, L5. And I was in pain constantly. I had been for three and a half years and I didn't want to take drugs, but I can tell you I was taking enough ibuprofen that it should have destroyed all my organs. I was taking a thousand milligrams somewhere between three and five times a day for three and a half years. When he prayed and I had the faith enough to say, well, it can't hurt to follow his instructions. It was like a light switch. It was a, a light switch. The pain I had had for three and a half years was gone. And I had the good sense enough not to speak against it. But I also was half afraid to tell anybody that I was healed because it might go away. You know, when God gives you a breakthrough, the devil wants to come and steal it right away. So he's just going to produce doubt and fear. I finally shared it when I started sharing that I had received healing. That's when everything began to to change in my life. I started speaking the faith that was injected into me in services through a man of God. And the reason my mind went to that is because I guarantee you that there were guys digging ditches in a land with no water, sweating, sweating. Sweat dripping from them as they dig. And in their head, they're thinking, man, there better be water because I'm going to die after this. The, The benefit for me was that I was also raised that you don't speak against authority. I never opened my mouth in disagreement whenever Evangelist Jonathan asked me to do something. When he asked me to come up on the platform, I went up on the platform. In my brain, I was saying all kinds of stupid things, but I wasn't speaking it with my mouth. Speaking it with your mouth is where power is released. God didn't think the universe into existence. He spoke it into existence. He said, let there be, and it was. And he said, let there be light, light manifested. When he spoke that there would be plants and fruit-bearing trees That's what manifested. It was the power of the spoken word. And we're made in the image and likeness of God. So our mouth, the words that come out of it, carry power. Think what you want in your mind, but don't let death and negativity and doubt and fear come out of your mouth. God gives us men of God to speak like I'm speaking to you now so that we can understand what is good for us, what's not good for us. So we can get greater revelation about all kinds of things. Bible also tells us that there's power in our testimony. That's why I tell you the testimony about my healing. You know, that was 2015. it has been seven years. Now, if it was just a warm and fuzzy feeling that I got, and I was deceived into believing I had healing, then there would be, deterioration of the areas that were already injured. But I went and had x-rays done recently. And the person that was showing me the x-rays said, wow, your x-rays look really good. <laughs> By the way, that wasn't the only spinal injury I ever had. That was just one. But the person actually said, I have a really, really hard time believing that all the things you say that have happened to you actually happened to you. Said, so I believe you wouldn't lie to me. I don't see evidence of it. Well, for me, that was worth the x-rays right there. To prove naturally that God did a healing work in my body. Spines don't correct themselves. My father has had spinal surgery. My best friend has had spinal surgery to correct things. I got spinal surgery from God. I don't have a scar to show from it, but I have x-rays to prove that there's no evidence that I was ever injured in the first place. That, to me, is miraculous. That, to me, holds power whenever I share it with others. One of the reasons that I was enthusiastic about going to get the x-rays, a man that was looking at the x-rays actually went on to say he has other people that he's seen the x-rays that have had far less severe things happen to them, and they look far worse structurally deterioration of the bones and and the vertebra. and I never spoke against my healing. All I did was share the testimony. And I've actually had people scoff. Matter of fact, the, the hardest time I had sharing the testimony, it's easy to share the testimony with believers, especially easy to share the testimony with people who believe in healing. But I got hit from behind on a motorcycle. That's what caused the injury. There was a, a court case associated with it. And it takes a long time before you end up being deposed by the attorney for the other side. So I have my attorney sitting next to me. And I've got this attorney on the other side of the table asking me all kinds of questions. Speaking to a person who doesn't believe in God, much less healing. He laughed in my face. Laughed in my face when I said I was healed in a service. And now I have no pain. He laughed because... In his mind, he's thinking, well, that's because you never had any pain. You never had a real injury. And this just proves it. You saying this is just a way because you're just interested in getting money. No, it was very real when I couldn't pick up my daughter when she was nine months old. It was very real when I couldn't bend over to pick beans. I laid down on the ground and would pick beans and put them in a bucket over my head and wiggle down through the garden we had just planted. It was very real that I didn't work for seven months. and We had no no income for a family of five. It was very real. To have him laugh in my face wasn't a good feeling. And then he asked, did he lay hands on you? I said, no, he never touched me. And I told him how it went. But quite literally, my testimony is on video and transcribed for court testifying about being healed. In evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth's meeting, the day I was healed, when it was, how it happened, money doesn't matter to me. God matters to me. I speak faith about healing. And I I looked at the guy, I said, I don't care if you believe in healing or not. I believe in it now. I didn't believe in it before I was healed. I believe in instant healing now because I was healed. If you have something you need healed of and you get healed of it, when there's nothing that can be done, then you'll start believing in it too. When the prophet told these guys that you won't see wind, you won't see rain, the water will just appear. You're probably thinking, oh, okay, sure. The land of Moab where they were going to fight had water, but what was behind them didn't have any. It could be an accident if it came from the land that they were going to go into. But it took a miracle to come from the land where they already were. I knew the pain I was in, but I had... In that moment where Brother Jonathan instructed, raise one hand to heaven, put the other hand where you need healing. In that moment, healing meant more to me than holding on to things that I had been taught for 35 years. Things that I believed only because somebody else didn't believe it and they convinced me to not believe it. But I've never spoken against my healing. As a matter of fact, when I'm working in the yard, I'll have... Soreness in my, my lower back that is in the same general area where I used to have pain. Man, I rebuke the devil. I'm like, devil, I already have healing in that section of my spine. I can't have pain there because if I was healed of a major injury there, then I already, if there's anywhere I know God's healing power is, it's in that spot and the soreness leaves. You change the way you speak when the power of God is made manifest. And when you change the way you speak, you see results. You see a harvest of the seeds that your mouth is sowing. It's so important to speak faith. I'm sure that it it was by faith that the prophet speaks. Anytime that somebody's giving a, a word of knowledge or a, a prophetic word or for them to speak under the unction of God, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, is is it, it's its own step of faith. <laughs> we we had the opportunity to um, to watch Brother Ted Shuttlesworth Senior when he was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at Evangelist and Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth's Church, Revival Today Church. There were many people in that congregation that night that that I knew personally. Some I know. More about than others, and there were words that he was speaking. I remember looking at my wife. And I was like, "The faith he has to just speak what God is showing him." Because some stuff is off the wall when you've done it for as long as he has, and the gift is as strong as his. Maybe he doesn't even it doesn't even enter his mind. But there's times where I have a word of knowledge about something, and in my head, I'm going, "That just sounds crazy." It doesn't sound crazy to the person that actually happened to. Because it happened to them. It may sound crazy to me because I don't know their life story. So it's a step of faith just to speak it out. But faith is great. To have faith is great. Have it on the inside of you. Faith speaks. And faith acts. In the Bible, everywhere that we have evidence of faith, there's some action or speaking that went along with it. When Jesus said of the centurion, Greater faith I've not seen in all of Israel. When he said, all you have to do is speak. And I know that it will happen. Because I'm a man under authority. And I have men under authority of me. And when I say go, they go. And when I say come, they come. So all you have to do is speak. You don't have to come to my house. You just speak and I know my servant will be healed. Here's a man that understood that Jesus' words carried so much power that attaching his faith to knowing if I have authority to say something in the natural and this guy has healings, then all he's got to do is say it and it's done. But he at least understood that there was an action of speaking that had to happen. This program is really about encouraging every believer who sees it to speak what's not comfortable to speak, to speak with the faith that's dropped on the inside of you. Just had a, a guest here at the house that we were talking about the the gift of faith and how you can how natural faith moves into the gift of faith. And it's always with action, whether it's speaking it out or whether it's doing an action. I just told you about the the Dutois and their their crusade that they did in Zambia. They spoke it. Whenever they got back to Africa with their team, they put everything in motion to do it. They didn't have the finances. They didn't have everything in place to do what they needed to do. They just started doing it as if it was already paid for. And they started speaking it, that they knew that this is what God wanted them to do. And if God wanted them to do it, they're his servants. He will equip them to finish it. A little natural faith will bring a harvest on that, that action or that word that produces the gift of faith in you for the entire thing to be done. And we saw that in action with them while they were here. My wife and I have seen that in action in our own lives. If you've seen some of the broadcasting that we've done, you've heard stories that we recount about engaging our faith for different things. Mixing it with fasting and prayer and seeing tremendous results. How we were able to acquire the property here in Tampa that we have was completely supernatural. We had no natural way of obtaining this property. But it got paid for with cash. The seller picked the date and we gave it to God. And on the day that it occurred, the day the closing was scheduled for, we actually had access to the funds 10 hours before the closing, and the funds were wired 44 minutes before the closing. But we moved forward as though our bank account already held everything and more that we needed. I know it was the gift of faith on us because of the the small steps that we did in the beginning led to it. We injected the sellers with faith in our faith, essentially, that it would be there. So much so that they used the same closing company to purchase their property the next day. Not only did they schedule the closing of this home on the 4th of February, they scheduled their closing on their new home on the 5th of February. So all the funds that come from us would pay for their new property. Our faith actually spilled over onto those around us. When you start Meditating on what God does in a whole situation. There's so many different details that you can see where faith was engaged. Faith spoke. That's literally what we did here. We sat in this home before it was our home at the table with the sellers. And we said, look, God spoke to us. This is our house in the natural We would be looking at other properties closer to the river Tampa Bay church. But God said, this is what we're supposed to buy. We're going to buy it from you. We are going to pay cash. We're not backing out of this deal. And we told them, you can trust us. This will happen. And there was such an abundance of faith in us that it was already done, that they took it off the the market without verification of funds. I mean- couldn't get a mortgage for it. We had to pay cash. So it wasn't like they could see from the bank that there's a, a note that we had the funding from a bank. But we never stopped speaking that it was our property and that we were going to pay cash from the moment that God told us it was ours. We even had the house dedicated over a week before by evangelist Jonathan. Jonathan. The owner of the home was here. And we're walking around anointing the place with oil. Brother Jonathan prayed to dedicate the house. I thought it was an interesting day because it was my house. From the moment that it was dedicated, even before that, it was our house. And we spoke as if it was. Dedicating a house and getting the owner here. And he said, man, I've never seen anything like this. He goes, this is really neat. Really neat to be a part of we're, we're walking the property we're anointing it with oil we anointed the house with oil and we're all over the place praying and and it was a fantastic day but I'm going to tell you what you couldn't shake our faith after that it was dedicated to the Lord I don't have to I don't have to think about it but it was through the steps of speaking in faith, acting in faith. you need to dig a ditch. When you haven't had water for seven days. When your bank account's been empty. And you have 20 bucks in your pocket. And God says give it to me. I can fill a valley of ditches with water from a dry land. I can fill your bank account. If you just do what I ask you to do. Operate in faith on my instruction. I implore you today. If God has instructed you to do something. And you have not done it. Just repent for the delay of time. Speak out exactly what it is. That you felt God is telling you to do. And then act on it. Put a voice to your faith. Put action to your faith. And take that step of obedience. You will reap a harvest like you've never seen. Obedience is the key to breakthrough. Being immediately obedient. God instructs you to do something, no matter how crazy it may sound, no matter how how much natural circumstances tell you, you will die digging a ditch. You will die of thirst digging that ditch. Even if that's what the natural circumstances are telling you, dig the ditch. The rest of that passage of scripture, 2 Kings 3, you should read. They have an incredible victory over Moab. God even used the water to confuse the Moabites. They rushed in and the Israelites were able to to ambush them because they thought the Israelites were dead. God even used the water and it looked like blood to the Moabites to get them to let their guard down and rush in. And then his people saw an overwhelming victory and they had lots of water. They were well hydrated to chase down the enemy. And do all the things that God said they were going to do. And I love that in that scripture. Something that was naturally and physically uncomfortable for them to do. To produce a miraculous flood of water flowing into their land. And it says, this is just a minor thing for God. The big things are yet to come. Because every single person in that army. Water was a big thing. In their mind, it was a huge thing. And God said, ah, this is nothing. He just wants us to act in faith and speak in faith so that we can have the abundance that he has for us. I going to pray for you now and with you. If you, if there's something that you need to, to dig the seeds of unbelief up, the seeds you've sown with your mouth of death, and unbelief, just ask forgiveness. Dig those seeds up. Plant seeds that are faith. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time that we've had in your word. I thank you for the time that you've given us. I thank you for revelation through your word, your instruction manual for us. If there's anything that I have done, anything that I have spoken that is anti-faith, that was acting out of fear or doubt, that was speaking disbelief and death, are you rip rip those seeds right out of the soil pluck them out of the soil as if i'd never planted them and replace them today with seeds of faith If there's a situation that God's reminding you of where you weren't obedient then speak it out now say lord i believe that this thing this thing that you told me to do will manifest in my life it's already done the healing's already mine The promotion's already mine. The money is already in my account. My car doesn't make that noise anymore. Yes, he can fix cars. All the silver and all the gold are his. Cattle on a thousand hills. So the parts on your car are his too. My car runs correctly. When I hit the gas, it doesn't hesitate. It doesn't shudder and shimmy and shake. I thank you, Lord. You are turning everything around today. As I speak faith, and act in faith on what you instructed me to do. You are faithful, complete the work, and I will receive a harvest on the seeds that I sow, speaking in faith. Guard my mouth from disbelief. Guard my mouth from uttering words of death and doubt. Thank you, Lord, from this day on, I will only speak faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You can email me at robert at truthrevivalnow.com. If you had a situation like that, I, I would love to hear testimonies. If you if you need me to to pray with you, stand in faith to reverse something <laughs> that was doubt and disbelief, send me an email. Send me an email, Robert at truthrevivalnow would love to hear from you. If you have complaints or negativity to sh- share with us, then there's a different email for that. It's, I'm not going to read it anyway, at truthrevivalnow.com. You can just send all those complaints right to that email and we'll be sure not to read them. So, Seed, today we have Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, You can go to our website, www.truthrevivalnow.com. You can partner with us there and also see a little bit about me and my wife. But it was a joy to be with you today. This is Truth Revival, where we speak truth, set free, and ignite revival. Till the next time, have a great day. See you soon.